ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. Joining me now, the G-Man, Gerald Broussard, color commentator for Raging Cajun Football once again. Uh, G, how is it being back in the, the, the radio seat of things doing color for the Cajuns? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, and we've talked about this. You and I personally have talked about you know radio and, and the difference in radio and television. And, and I don't know, I, I just I enjoy the modem of radio and being able to do radio and, and especially the broadcast. Now, Scott, to be honest, this was a chore that I, I'd never been through anything as far as the sight lines that we had this past week, be, doing it from a baseball stadium, a converted baseball stadium into football. And um and and so Jay and I, our seats, and, and uh, actually Craig Melanson put a picture on Twitter uh, of us the, from looking over our heads and across. So we were in the, I don't know, just the bottom left corner of the stadium and looking all the way across. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if people realize, but Jay and I are old. You know, I'm 58. Jay's a little bit older than that. And I'm being nice by saying little. Uh, but that's a long way away to call a game. And, uh, but, but that part of it is that was a different experience this week, but just getting back in the booth and doing it again. And, and, and I, and, and the other thing with radio, you get to be a homer and, and I kind of like doing that. Uh, I, dude, I mean the, the Trey Regis touchdown at the end of the game against Iowa to get him up bird. I mean, like you, I hear you <laughs> and I know, I, I don't have to see the visual. I know what you're doing in the booth. Like I, I know you probably grabbed his shoulders. You're just so you're just so excited. You're you're trying to hold some of it in, but while letting some out at all at the same time. It's just there's some self control, but there's 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 a few spots here and there where you just can't help it. But what that does, in my opinion, is it makes for a great radio call. Well, and 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 I, I do because I don't want to talk over Jay because I want you know Jay to be able to to finish his call and stuff. But and I catch myself all the time too when when I see the ball on the ground, I just start having ball, you know. And and I do that if I'm watching a high school game. I, if I see the ball, it just it's from your whole life. If you see the ball on the ground, you just ball 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 ball. And, and that's you know you just do that from being there. That's what you teach your players and, and get everybody's attention that there's a, a loose ball. You want to be able to get it. And I catch myself doing that. And look, when when, when you're involved in it and, and you have a personal uh, interest in it, you know, and, and you know, now that that we travel with the team, and I, and I, and I see, you know, uh, Jabbar Jaluk with his players, the running back coach for the Cajuns, and I see Tim Leger with his young wideouts, and I think about going through that. And I see Rob Sale sitting there talking with it, with his offensive lineman and and Michael Desimo, you know, who I love and, and got to coach him and was involved with recruiting him for another school, and see Michael, you know, doing his work and. And seeing the effort that they put in, you know, with Patrick Tony on the defense and a young guy, and think about back in my deal. So you, I mean, you pull for him, and 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 when you have that kind of, when you see something break loose and do good, you know, and that's every now and then when an interception that, that you don't quite get or a fumble that's on the ground and the cages don't get it, then you just want to say, God, I want it, and I just want it for for the experience of those guys have success and the joy of, of having those things done. Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN 1420. Let's just let's just hear one call here. Hand off to Regus. Oh, don't do him like that. Oh, raise your hands, Bird. Raise your hands. <laughs> raise your raise hands. Your hands. <laughs> Touchdown, Louisiana. Hey. Oh, man, I just love it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know I did that. I, um, well. Hey, in that moment, come on. It was the, it was you look, you 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 won on the road against the ranked team for the first time ever. 
uh, the Cajuns. Um, it was just the icing on the cake. You're thinking about DJ Looney. You're thinking about the power run game. The, that, that is a moment right there. And it's funny, G, as I think it, it, it goes to show how far expectations have come for this program that following a week like that and being ranked in the top 25 for the first time and now in both polls and now being 2-0, and but with the performance last Saturday in a win in Atlanta and you were there and the sight line was, was a, a bit odd, but you guys did a great job on the call. It's kind of like, you know, Coach Napier is answering questions for me and others about, you know, were they flat in the first half? Were things off? What happened? And yet they're 2-0 and and they're ranked in the top 25. I think... From one week to another, I think you can clearly see the expectation level on full display for where this program is right now. I think you're right, Scott. You know, the other thing is, is and, and, and I, I mentioned this a lot, and, and you hear all the stuff and you see all the stuff and the Cajun promote all the stuff about culture, culture, culture. I, I, I see that as confidence, confidence. Com- those, that, that, that game last week, that's a game the Cajuns lose in the past. They don't find a way to come back from two scores down and all of a sudden start becoming dominating the game. Give up the lead now. So they, they come back, they get the – they're down, they tie it, they get the lead, give up the lead, fall behind again, and then find a way to go win it. You know, and then but, – but I think that the, the, the expectation level of the people are there and the expectation level in the building is there. There was not a doubt in my mind that the Cajuns were going to come home from Atlanta with a win. There was also not a doubt in my mind that it was going to be hard to do. Uh, a conference win on the road is hard to do. I don't care who you are. There's nobody in the conference, you know, and I know App State has had the success in the past few years, but, but, but every game that they go out, it's hard to win now. And, and the more you win, the harder it is because your expectation levels increase. But, but this, is, God, this is a good football team and, and, and with a lot of youth on it. So I just, you know, you, you have the excitement of the future being better and better with it. And and I know, you know, the Cajuns are in the top 25. People talk about the Big Ten not being in there, and neither is Pac-12 and that kind of stuff and all that. And and that, that's true. The bottom line is I do anticipate that if things go as I, I fully expect them to go, this team's going to end up in the top 25, regardless of how many teams are playing. I just think that this is a good football team that's got a good schedule, and, and they understand how to win. And I say all of that, Scott, still not knowing – the situation with COVID and all that kind of stuff, because you still don't know. I mean, you could end up missing games. You don't know. George Southern was supposed to play last week until Thursday night or Friday. They told don't come, you know. So, but with that, I just think that these guys are going to find a way to fight and claw, and I think they're going to come out of it with wins. Gee, I, uh, I spoke to Danny Reed earlier on the show, play-by-play man for Georgia Southern, and I'm like, at this point, are you just uh, do you even believe you're going to play Saturday? Because while the Cajuns had nine players out last week for COVID reasons, and we don't know what that number will be this week. We'll learn a little bit more tonight uh, with Coach Napier's media availability via Zoom. But, like, for Georgia Southern, 33 inactives week one, and they still play, credit to them. Most teams might have postponed or, quote, canceled the game. Um, And not every single one of those was COVID-related, but you know that a lot is, whether it's a positive taste or contact tracing. You know, there there's some other schools. They play a few games, and it's kind of a business as usual. You have some like La Tech. You know, one game's postponed. Another, they they they're missing a big chunk of their staff. Arkansas State has to reschedule a game. Georgia Southern. I mean, all things considered, even though the Cajuns were without nine players, they've fared so far better than a lot of other schools. Um, the unknown for this season 
you know, you're, I, I know you're not a coach now, Gerald, but you played for USL back in the day and you were on the coaching staff back in the day. How, how do you prepare for the unknown like this season is? Do you just, do you not, do you just prepare as normal because you can't control it? I mean, how do you, is it in the back of your mind? Put on your coach cap for a minute. How would you deal with the novelty of the 2020 college football season? I think what you do, Scott, is you prepare for the known. Because you can't prepare for the unknown. I mean, you, you can, you can con- converse about it and wonder about it, but you prepare for the known, and then you adjust as to when things change. And, and that's all you can do. I know that there were years when I was coaching where we, we actually played Sam Houston State on a Sunday one time because we had to move the game because of a hurricane. Uh, and, 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 you know, those kind of things, I, I know we came back and I was coaching at Stephen F. Austin and we, we got stranded in Utah because of Hurricane Rita. We couldn't get home. And then when we got home a day late, we get home, we have no power at the university. So we spent a week with no power. And, and luckily we had an open day, but we didn't even know what to do. I mean, first thing you do is try to take care of your family, you know, so you don't know really then. Um, you know, I sit in a, and actually the guy that I was coaching with at, at the time, a guy named Rob McFarland, is at Louisiana Tech right now having to go through what they go through. I think about what Tulane went through during Katrina. You know, they ended up in, in the gym, living on the gym floor in, in, in Ruston, and they played in 11 games in 11 different stadiums. And, and you don't know. I mean, you just try and prepare for what you know and then go and see how you fare. Um, I know that, you know, a lot of the stuff people anticipate or assume it's easy. Well, you know, you should have known, you should have known what, you know, truth be known, the Cajuns all of a sudden, some of those nine that got left, they didn't know until we, we got through with the testing on Friday or on Wednesday, I'm sorry. So you're practicing as if you're going to play with them. And all of a sudden Wednesday you get to, because of, you know, we only had one test this past week. And then, so you find out well now you got a couple of days, to try and adjust your plan and then go with it. I think it's, 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 it's really, it's only as difficult as you make it. And it's very difficult, but all you can do is, is just go practice with what you know, and then come in and try and adjust as best you can. You know, the, the, the Marines make a big deal out of, you know, improvise and overcome and, and troop, you know, and that's all you're doing is you prepare for what you know, and then you react to it and, 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 and cross your fingers and hope that it's enough when you get done. ESPN1420.com, Gerald Broussard, our guest. Uh, I want your assessment of the offensive line through two games, G. Former O-lineman yourself, um, there was talk among some players, uh, among some people that follow this program very well, that the O-line could be even better this year than last year. Um, I I was hesitant. I'm not, Look, these are people that whose, whose opinions I respect, so I wasn't blowing them off or anything. But, like, my mind immediately goes to, man, you just had a guy go in the second round of the fourth round. You know, they played in the NFL on Sunday. This past Sunday, they both looked pretty good. Uh, you know, wide receivers as well. You're, you know, you're losing a guy in, in Bradley and Jackson that I know they don't play on the O-line, but they get after it in terms of blocking as well. And I think, in general, you just look at pass protection and you immediately think about the O-line and not the skill position players. But I'm rambling now. Um, I, the, my point is, the expectation was very high for this offensive line coming in. Where are you at through two games of the season with the Cajuns O line? I and and look, I'm one of them that, that and I didn't think they'd be better now. Uh, not now, 
But I do think that this is you, you got to remember last year, the Cajuns didn't have Robert Hunt for a lot of that time. Yeah. This, so the, they were the getting better stretch. there. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, went now the one that you're not going to replace in the, the nastiness and the tenacity of, of a Dotson, you know, we should, the guy's starting in the NFL, you know, so that, and that's not by accident. You know, he's just, he's good now. I'm telling you, his daddy was a good player for us, but, but, uh, yeah, Kevin's good now. But but when you look at it, you say you got Marks back who started, and you got Zach Robinson who's doing a nice job as the transfer over at left left tackle. But you've also you know, Spencer Gardner's played a lot. Uh, you know Shane Ballow has played the one that I think the Cajuns are missing, and Shane's doing a, a, an admirable job in there at center. It's Cole Prudham. I mean Cole has not played yet. I think he's traveling with him. I think he's going to be able to play before the year's all done, coming back from injury. But but Cole just gives you a, a, a much bigger body in there in the middle that can help you out a lot. But so I'm just telling you right now, Osiris, Osiris Torrance is good now. And and look, he, he's not perfect. He's a true sophomore, but but he's playing right guard for the Cages right now, number 58. If you get a chance to watch him, and and, and look, I mean, his mama didn't shortchange him. Now I mean, he's six foot five, 332 pounds. Now she got all she could get out of it. And um and then the other one that's right next to him is Max Mitchell. And and Max is a guy that both of these guys have played as true freshmen. One's a true sophomore, Max is a true junior. And and then you know, Max has got some range, only six six, three hundred pounds. Those guys are on the right side of the Cajun's offense. And the big plays that you saw in the game, the the, the touchdown in overtime, the big runs that have come, they're coming back through the right side. And and it's just whether they start left and go right or whether they start right and stay right. Um, you know, it's come over that right side. And, and you know, the, the the strength of the Cajun's line being on the right side is because you got a left-handed quarterback. And so with that, I think that, you know, those guys are doing well. The, the thing that, that you know, that's going to help the Cajuns in the run game, Scott, you mentioned the receivers being able to block. It's also the threat of those guys outside to make the safeties have to help with the corners. That You know, if, 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 if you feel like you can lock the guys up with your corner – we saw during the game, um, you know, the Cajuns tried to go to Peter LeBlanc one-on-one, him in a corner, and they weren't able to complete anything. They needed the scheme to get Peter open because just the, the, the lack of a better term, Jimmy Joe balls, you know, Peter wasn't winning those, and, and they weren't up. They were just at him and back shoulder throws and other stuff. But the corners for Georgia State or the corner, the boundary corner for Georgia State was, was holding his own against Peter. Um, you know, last year or in the past, you know, maybe they do or they don't do that with him. And look, I think Peter's fully capable of winning those. You know, some of the throws have got to help him with it, and others you're just going to have to go manhandle and get the ball. And then that just comes with just getting the ball, some of it. But uh, you know, when you when you look at that and you lose a Jamarcus, the other stuff. You know, some of the throws that Jamarcus made, they weren't down the field throws. Now they were at the line or even beyond behind the line of scrimmage that he was able to explode and go make plays with. Uh, same thing with the BAM and stuff like that. You know, those guys are gone. So how do you replace them with that, that that those threats on the outside are what help you in the run game, whether they be blocking or whether they be with the I, – I, there, there's a difference. Everybody used, likes to use the term RPO, run pass option. To me, that you know, if the ball is thrown behind the line of scrimmage, that's just a tag on the back end of a play. So you'll, you'll call the running play. Let's just say you want to call it an inside zone. You'll say inside zone bubble. And, and so – let the receiver behind it, and you just tell the quarterback, if the ball was there, throw the ball. It's not handed on his own. Uh, whereas the, the run-pass option, the true RPO, that guy who's running the bubble will be running a slant. 
And so the quarter, he's down the field, and the quarterback is looking at the linebacker. If the linebacker is filling a run or if the safety is filling a run, now he throws that slant beyond the line of scrimmage. And so it's not behind the line of scrimmage. Those are total different reads and things that have got to be able to happen. That when all of that's working together, that's when your run game gets good. And the other thing about it, Scott, just because you're not running good early doesn't mean you're not going to run good late. And that's what the Cajuns have been able to do in both games. And I think that comes from the offensive line gaining a little more experience. And, you know, it, it helps once you, you – because you don't know. I mean, the first, you practice against the guy that you think is giving you a look based on what you're going to see. But until you get out there and actually see it, I, you're a Saints fan. You remember a nose guard from North Texas Saints had years ago named Tony Elliott? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I break the huddle against North Texas, and I'm 19-year-old, 18-years-old sophomore. Is actually 18, turned 19 the, the week after that. But I break the huddle against them, and, you know, I saw him film. I mean, he was listed at 6'3", 280, playing five technique for North Texas. And I said, well, you know, shoot, I'm 6'4", I'm, I'm 270. I'm, he be, and when when I turned around and looked at him, whew, he didn't look like me now. No, I'm talking about he had a washboard abs and he had arms <laughs> look like legs. And the first time I hit him, me shortened my neck. And I'm like, son of a gun, this is going to be a chore. And it, it took, now, you know, I didn't run home and cry to mama, but, I mean, it took a little while before I was ready for that play and play again. And, um, you know, but I think that that's what happens. When you get out there, until you actually start hitting them, you get a feel for them. And, and look, they, they're going to get a feel for you too. And and so you've got to be able to adjust. And I think that that's going to come as the year goes on. I'm pleased with where the offensive line is. If nothing else, for protection purposes, I think the run game's going to come. You're just too good in the back to where your run game's not going to come. But I'm and look, I'm one that said that they could be better even with without. I just know though that, and that's only because the Cages did it without a lot of Robert Hunt last year. But you know, Kevin Dotson, you just don't replace. I mean, that just you get better at. But but I think we'll say the same thing in two years when Torrance goes and gets drafted too. Is that you know he's going to be his own man doing that. Gerald Broussard, our guest, great stuff, ESPN1420N.com, talking Raging Cajun football. I uh, talked to Coach Napier Monday. He's, you know, asking him about Levi Lewis, and he said Levi would be the first to tell you it wasn't his best outing. Um, Levi threw two games. Uh, the numbers aren't – the numbers certainly aren't bad. Um, you, you love what he brings as a senior. Uh, your assessment through two games and where he's – where he needs improvement, how much of that is him or – the old line, what you just analyzed, the, the the young receivers. Where are you at with Levi through two games and uh, and moving forward with his ceiling this year? I'm glad he's the guy saying hike for us. I just am. I think that he's not where he was. He's, he's not where he needs to be, and he's not where he's going to be. And I think that comes with, with what he's got to work with there. I, I think that his, his maturity level and his even keel, the way he handles things, it's going to be awesome with the young wideouts because I just I think those young guys are going to be good. Now I'm just telling you, I think they're going to be good, and uh, and his ability to keep them involved to not be frustrated. You know, there's been a couple of balls out there that haven't been perfect, but they're catchable balls, and, and it's not just the receivers. There's uh, everybody that's an eligible person out there. You know, it's just and and that's the kind of stuff that in the past, you know, we, you know, you, you see the Devin Pauly catch. And, and and you you, you kind of rave about it, you know, because it was it was an awesome catch. But you know, truth be known, the other catches have been catch been just balls that have been thrown well. You know, we haven't seen anybody go up and make anything spectacular happen for Levi. 
you know, and, and so with that, I think that he, he handled, he's not going to get frustrated by that. You know, he, he, he's going to stay even with it. He's going to encourage his people and, and he's going to, the team will play better because of his attitude towards the adversity they face. You know, he's, Look, he's he's got a couple more picks right now, and that's just uncharacteristic. You don't think that that's going to happen for him, you know, because he just doesn't. And you know, just a perfect example of the little ball in the flat that he threw to Pierce Meagle. You know, Pierce is, is coming, and he's coming on the flat, and it could have been thrown better. Sure, it could have because he could have stuck it in his face mask where you don't have to worry about it. But Levi gave him a catchable ball. He took something off of it to give it to him catchable, and Pierce is kind of drifting up the field just a little bit, and it ends up a little short. So you look at Levi and say, well, you know, throw it harder, throw it further, do whatever, and, and truth be known. And I, I'm not I'm not downplaying Pierce or talking bad about Pierce. He knows he's going to catch that. You know, nine out of ten. Just that one time he didn't. So how do you handle that? You just, you know, tell Pierce, hey, next time focus on the catch, then tuck, turn and go. And then you tell Levi, give it to him. Just give it to him. And, and both of them you just move on from. And and I think that, that going back and watching the game again, uh, when they keep showing Coach on the sideline, Coach Napier on the sideline, you see how even he is with things. And I think that the team really reflects that. So Levi's going to be the guy that's going to make those plays down the line, down the road. The young receivers are going to get better and better. And the other players are going to start making, you know, which you'll say, hey, that's a good catch. But, you know, I, we talked about it last week in Iowa State game you know, ball thrown below the waist of Johnny Lumpkins. Well, Johnny's capable of catching that, you know, but truth be known, he's a big guy. You want to hit him a little bit higher. Levi's going to say, hey, that's on me. If And Johnny's going to say, that's on me. Truth be known, could have been a better pass, sure, but Johnny catch that. You know, same thing with the other stuff. When those things start happening, then we're going to say, okay, Levi's getting back to his old self. And look, he's, he is his old self. He's just going to be a little bit better. And, and you know, we've got the same thing we just talked about with the expectation level. We've got some expectation level of Levi now because he's done that to us. He's he's made those plays before, so now we expect so much more of him than we ever did in the past, and I think that's good. Yeah, he. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the the more reps these receivers get, it's going to help. I mean, we we both said like everyone else, you know, it was kind of this question mark going into the season in terms of experience, but having a quarterback like Levi Lewis to sort of get them through that and and as they assimilate to the game. And you saw some of those true freshmen. I mean, you, you saw them making plays on Saturday, and as the season progresses, certainly, you know, that's that's going to improve. Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN 1420. Gee, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. I want to focus on the other side of the ball. Get your thoughts on Big Sauce. We're talking about Kevin Dotson. I mean, he was the strongest player on the team probably for, you know, three and a half years, maybe four. Um and uh, as Robert Hunt once told me, you know, I thought I was strong, but I'm not Kevin Dotson. He's strong as bleep. Well, now that Dotson's gone, big sauce, Taylor Humphrey, the strongest guy on the team. What kind of impact can he make? The linebacker play thus far and much more. Gerald Broussard breaking down Raging Cajun football with us on The Great Scott Show. We'll be right back right after this. ESPN 1420.com. Welcome back. It's... Gerald Broussard with me. I'm Scott Prather. Gee, let's get right back into it. On the defensive side of things, up front, Taylor Humphrey, big sauce. Um, I think on defense, when we when we look at, you know, nose guard, interior D lineman, sometimes we get caught up in sacks or tackles for loss. But 
you know, not not to the same extent that O-linemen can kind of get lost in terms of the fans because you're following the ball. A D-lineman's impact is so much more than just the stat sheet. And and as a guy that coached and played and went up against some big D-linemen, and you mentioned Tony Elliott in the last segment, you know that. Uh, what, what is your assessment of Taylor Humphrey thus far and the Cajuns' D-line? Obviously, you know, Zion Hill's talented, and he didn't play against Iowa State. But uh, the D-line at this point, man, um, give, give me your thoughts on how they've been through two games and where you think they're going. Yeah, I, I tell you, Taylor Humphrey and I, and I described him, and it just, he, I mean, he's full grown. I mean, he, he's one of them when we talked about in the last segment, we were talking about Osiris at, at the guard position. You expect that 6'5, 332 from a guard. You know, that's what you expect. But now you turn around, you look at the nose guard, and, and, and he's 6'5, 333. So when I talked about Osiris's mama getting all she could get out of Osiris being born, well, Sauce's mama, she got even more. You know, and so she, I mean, he, and look, I, I tell you another thing I like about it. The first time I saw him, I had gone in for my first time to be tested COVID-wise in there uh, because you, you got to go through all that to, to travel with him. And so anyway, I go and I was standing there with Rob Sale. And I, yeah, I had heard about Taylor, but I, I had never seen him. So, and so he walks by and, and Sale kind of tells him, hello. I said, man, that's a good looking rascal there. He said, dude, that's the nose. I said, no way. You know, we, we never had a nose hard look like that. You know, and look, I was talking about Charlie, uh, uh, Tony Elliott, you know, the, that, that same defensive line in North Texas had a guy named Charlie Young was their nose guard, and he was about big Sauce's size and, and uh, full grown back then too. But I think Sauce has done a good job, and, and you're not going to see – you'll see him making plays, and he has made a couple plays in there. But that's a guy that's going to get ate up by double teams and stuff like that. And then the, on the pass side of things, he's probably not going to be one you're going to see a lot of pass rush pressure about. You know, another thing that we did not see this week was, you know, Sonny Hazard didn't travel with the K. He's a guy that had gotten a little pass rush pressure at, from the nose spot at Iowa State. But the saw that he should be good, this hoping for it, should be good. I mean, Jaquan Nelson ended up coming back in there and getting some snaps at the nose. But when you look at it, you know, you got the sauce at 333 at 6'5. Nelson's behind him, you know, he's a little bit smaller at 6'4, 295, you know, so that's not small. And then you got the quickness of Sonny Hazard, only 6'1, but he's 290. That's your noses. And so when you're playing a three-man front, you want to make sure that those guys can eat up blockers to free up your backers, and I think they can. The other thing that the Cages did get back this past week, Scott, was Zion. And, you know, Zion, so he's not going to have the mass that the other guys are going to have, but Zion is so athletic, and, he, I mean, he's hiccup quick now. I mean, he ends up in that next gap right now and causes problems. But, you know, you got Landry behind him, the kid from Acadiana, and Narcisse behind him. And so you've got some depth at that one end. Andre Jones made a couple of plays, though, at that other end. And then the one guy that, that we did not see in the first week at all, but he's back now, got in a car wreck, is Kendall Wilkerson. And he's got a chance to make some plays with still uh, Malcolm Rollins behind him. Now, I'm saying those nine guys up front on the defensive line to take those three spots, Scott, I like them now. I mean, I, I just do. I think that they, they can be disruptive. They can fill gaps when you need them to fill gaps. They can eat up blocks when you need them to eat up blocks. And, look, are people going to gain yards? Run? Yeah. I mean, they, they're not going to make every play in there, with you. but a lot of times you don't see is that do they make the right fit do they cancel out their gap that they do? If they do do that, then they've done their job. Somebody else has got to come up. Now, sometimes a guy like Zion, 
he's going to cancel out his gap, and then he's still going to get loose and make plays too. The thing is, is that you know, defensive line, you notice when they win. You don't notice when they tie. And, and you know, the defensive line is going to have to be able to win. And I do think that they are going to get better. They're going to see some things scheme-wise that make it a little tough, but it, it, it all fits in the run game with not just those guys, but you saw towards the end of the game, I know three plays in a row we called his name on tackles and it forced a, fun, forced a punt by, by George Day, and that was Chauncey Manak. And so that Chauncey gets in there and fits his part of that in the run game. Now he's listed as an outside linebacker, but truly he's a defensive end back in the day. That's what we'd have called him. But, uh, you know, Chauncey's going to fit that scheme, and he actually fit in a fold position to where he came inside the defensive line. So you might look at it and say, oh, the defensive line was wrong. No, that was the scheme of the thing. The defense line was supposed to play the outside gap and let Chauncey fill on the inside, so Chauncey was able to make the plays unblocked on that. So he did a good job. But the other thing that you're going to see sometimes is the guys are going to move. And and all the when I say move, they're not just going to stand still and, and, and try and play and read. There, there will be times when Coach Thompson, defense <laughs> and Coach Seagrass, is going to ask those guys to move and to go one way, which will force the ball back the other way that's going to make the linebackers have to fit and get off blocks and stuff like that. I, I used the comment. I was talking to our buddy, Chris Lano about this, you know, you know, one thing you don't want to be called is Velcro. You know, if you're on defense, you don't want nobody to call you Velcro because you don't want to stick to nothing. So you want to be able to get off. And there were times when we, we, we were Velcroed up a little bit, not necessarily at first level, but at second level. And our guys have got to be able to get off blocks and make plays when the defense line forces the ball back to them. So I, I think, you know, sauce leading them, but but truth be known, the the, the stir that I mean, the straw that stirs it all is Zion Hill. And when you've got Zion, didn't have Joe Dillon last week too. Now, so when you got Zion back, and then and now hopefully we have Joe Dillon back, and then you bring some more twitch in there with Sonny Hazard, you get him back. You got the mass of big sauce in there, and I, and I'm liking Andre Jones now. I think the guy makes some plays in there too, and um, you know, and then. Johnson Manak, he's already showed it for the last few years that he can get in there and make plays. I think we're going to be okay up front to the D-line. You know, moving back to the linebackers now, Gerald Broussard, our guest, I think having, when they're healthy, having the speed and athleticism you have at that position, how is that going to – look, when you're, when you're preparing for the triple option, how imperative is – linebackers that can move east and west very quickly is that is is that imperative to slowing down a triple option like in terms of the linebacker role when it comes to defending the triple option where does that rank if you're saying d-line linebacker secondary look if you're paying they, they all matter i'm not trying to say one matters more than the other but based on your opponent one is typically going to have to have you know their a game they won't they won't mm-hmm. be able to afford to be off a little bit because it's going to impact the other to uh, two units um, within that defense. So, in terms of the linebackers preparing for Shea Wirtz and this triple option impact, what kind of performance do you think Gardner, McCaskill, and all these guys are going to have to have? No, we we know they're going to have to play really well, and and because what happens with those guys, we we're talking about canceling gaps, and so you know, with the triple option, first thing you got to be able to stop is anything coming right at you. And so you need to make the triple option go east and west. And if you can eliminate it from going north and south, now just what you talked about, the speed to be able to run it down to the sideline, you want to force everything east and west and then chase it down and use the sideline as a 12th defender. Uh, that, you got to be fast enough to do that because 
you know, if you talk to people on offense, they'll say, hey, you make yards inside, but you make miles outside. So if you can turn the corner, if you can get to the edge, and we saw some of the bigger plays for, for, for uh, um, George State well, when they got outside. Now, the Cajuns have that ability, excuse me, to go to the house from the inside run because Elijah's really good. And then the other thing was those happen when you've got people blocked down the field too with your receivers, which you mentioned that uh, earlier. But I think that, you know, George Southern's receivers are going to get after the Cajun secondary. George Southern's offensive line is going to get after the D-line and try and cover up the linebackers. The, what's got to end up happening, those, the gaps have got to be canceled from the inside first, stop anything going north and south, get it all going running east and west. And when it does, now you've got to be able to get off, and it's not just enough to be there you got to be able to tackle speed in space. And, and, and I think that that's where the Cajuns have, you know, we, we saw a couple times in the game where the Cajuns brought an inside blitz. I'm talking about back going back to Georgia State. And I know I ramble a little bit. But anyway, where the, the defensive end, when, when you bring pressure from the inside, if you have a back swinging out, the defensive end a lot of times will just peel off their rush and chase that back down, you know, so the quarterback can't just dump it out there to the back. And now you got speed in space. Cajuns kind of did it, tried to chase it down, but but couldn't handle that speed and space because the defensive end's not as athletic as that back he's one-on-one with. But that's where we're going to have to see if the Cajun linebackers can handle Jordan, Jordan Southern when they do chase it down from the inside, making sure that you stay leveraged on the ball to where you can utilize the sideline and, and you don't get juked and, and get caught. But I, I do – you know, the, the guys that we're talking about, the Lorenzo McCaskill, the Farrah Gardner, dude, Farrah Gardner can play now. I'm just telling you what I know. I'm not telling you what I heard. But um, And Chris Moncrief, I mean, they can play. Tyler Gidry's out there starting to make plays now. And, you know, you're, you're also going to have to hear stuff from, from Jordan uh, Quibido. And, 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 you know, Andre Riley's making plays. And I'm looking at the depth chart thinking about what's going to end up happening with them. How do they handle themselves in space? The thing about the triple option is, is that you even the numbers up. Because one thing that you can't do, if I'm running with the football, I can't block for myself. And if I'm the guy that's doing the reading, the quarterback, then then I can't block for myself. So when you run the option, you intentionally leave people unblocked. And so that the, the numbers cancel out, you know, because, you know, if, if you got one guy, if you got 10 on the offense that can block and one guy running the football, well, you got 11 on defense. So somebody's unblocked. Well, if you read one, well, now you don't have to block that guy. So now it's playing 10 on 10 for uh, you know, simplicity's sake. But, well, the guy's got the handoff, so he can't really block. Well, if you read two, then you don't have to worry about that. So now you're nine on nine. So somebody has got to defeat a block and make a play. And that's where, you know, the athleticism is going to show up. That's what makes George Southern's offense so tough. Yeah, man. They uh... – it's in talking to Danny Reed earlier, you know, as, as, as whirlwind of an early start to the season as it's been for him, they expect as much of their roster as they've had since the start of fall camp. So they're expecting to have uh, the bulk of their guys ready to go and able to play. Obviously things can change between now and kickoff, especially in a season like this one, but uh, the Cajuns are going to need to bring it. I know it's a 13 and a half point spread. I thought it might be a little lower than that. She, but uh, but but I think for Georgia Southern, their mindset is obvious. They're like, look, based on what the Cajuns did to us last year, we have to come out physical because if not, we're going to get beat all over Cajun Field. 
I think Georgia State, and, and you were talking as much on the broadcast, especially in the first two quarters, first quarter and a half most notably. I mean, more physical um, for Georgia Southern. That's the mindset they're coming into it with. So as much as we can break down the X's and O's and everything else, if the Cajuns come out and are physical as hell and decide, you know what, I, I love me some contact, bring it, let's go, and they hit them in the mouth early, and if they're the more physical team, then I think that spreads fine. But if if they let Georgia Southern come out and be physical the way Georgia State was, then I think you're in for a really tight ball game on Saturday, G. I do too. And look, it, 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 I'm telling you, what I'm about to say, I, I think is not to be understated. You know who the offensive line coach is at Georgia Southern, don't you? I do. It's, it's Ron, Ron Hudson. Yep. And, and and Coach Hudson was offensive coordinator, offensive line coach here. Coach Hudson's boy Dave plays for the Cajuns and all that kind of stuff. And and look, I'm good friends with coach Hudson and his, he had a sign leaving this meeting room that, that he would go and it said, be nasty today. And that's the mentality that, that he coaches with. That's the attitude he coaches with. That's the attitude that, that they want, that he wants his players to play with. I think that, they, you know, it's going to be physical out there. I mean, it's going to be that. And then look, I say that cause I'm, I know what went on last year, at, at, that's an aberration now. I mean, an aberration. That that that, that don't happen. Uh, that's not supposed to happen. And, and and especially with the George Southern football team, this is the team that the school that understands physical. I mean, it started football 100 years ago with Irk Russell, and and you know they're just a physical football team that you're going to have to get after. Traditionally, going back to 100 years, they don't beat themselves. You're going to have to beat them. Uh, they run the option. And it's one of the few places where if you say that you they talked about getting away from the option and they fired the coach for talking about it, you know, they just, they understand this is our nature. This is our people. This is what we do. And this is why we do it. And um, I, it's going to be a physical football game. And, and I, I, I firmly expect it to be, there's just going to be a lot of hard collisions out there. And it's which one of them that you're going to be bruised up by the end of it. And I think the kids are going to end up, uh, having an appreciation for a little bit of a longer week after that because I look that's a lot of points to give. I know why they're doing it, but but I don't know. I mean I respect the heck out of George Southern. I just think that they they do it well. They do it they do it right. And um look I'm an option guy too back from a hundred years ago. I just like it. And I've I've called offenses where we threw it every play and I've called offenses where, you know, we want to play it in the gym and just run it every time. But I mean, when you can be physical running the football, and I think that that's George Southern, I think it's going to be a big challenge for the Cajuns. Now, I said that earlier in, the, in our conversation. I expect Cajuns to win. I really do. And, and it could be one where they win going away towards the end, but it's not going to be easy. I mean, it's going to come out, and there's going to be some jawing going on. There's going to be some chirping going on. It's going to be great weather, I think. It's going to be kind of cool for this time of the year. And 11 o'clock start on ESPN2 again. You know, golly, that'd be groovy. Heck yeah, man. And as always, we invite folks to uh, sync up the audio from the radio broadcast. If you're watching it on TV, I know some of you will be at the game practicing social distancing. I know Coach Napier and the team is excited to be having a game at home. Pre-game starts at 9 a.m. this Saturday. Steve Peliquin, Chris Cannon, and then uh, we will send it out to Cajun Field. Jay Walker, Gerald Broussard, and Cody Juno on the sideline. Gee, really enjoyed hearing you on the call, man. Thanks for the time. Uh, I hope we can chat again next week. I know that, uh, you know, we, we watch Hard Knocks every year, and I know it's a couple of weeks old at this point, but 
I don't know. It was kind of a bummer this year. I like some of it, but it was almost like they were just trying to fill time with no preseason games. It was COVID was the story of hard knocks this year. The only year I've never watched is, is the year that, that the Falcons were on for obvious reasons. Other than that, I've watched every year. And this one, I don't know. It was it's it was memorable because they didn't have any preseason games, but it also was forgettable because they didn't have any preseason games. Yeah, and 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 I I thought that they were they were trying to look for as many storylines as they could. I I thought that this was going to be a great year with the two teams, you know, because you can see the different personalities and the coaches. That, and I, I I like that part of it too, you know that. Uh, but but I I yeah I thought they left something to be desired. In fact, Julie and I like it. Julie loves it, and and so when we my wife Julie, and so when we were watching it, she you know the last episode, she said, "This is it, huh?" I said, yeah, this is it. She goes, okay, this hadn't been as good as the others. And so we actually went back and watched uh, Last Chance U uh, afterward, and she got more into that with Lane College down in Oakland than she did in the Hard Knocks. Disappointing. ESPN 1420. They did the best with what they had, I guess. Gerald Broussard has been our guest. G, I always appreciate the time, man. Love talking football with you. Uh, enjoy the call on Saturday. And uh, in the meantime, stay safe, stay well. And my final question for you um, you know, I, I mentioned your coaching career. I know recently you got into a little bit of a different line of work. So how does that football in you uh, help you in this new line of work? What do you uh, tell our folks what you're up to now? Well, and it all comes back to being prepared. And and so I've, I've started an insurance agency. I've got a, a independent agency here on the south side of town. And, and look, that's just I'm licensed in the state of Louisiana, the state of Texas, to sell personal lines of insurance and and just making sure that people are prepared with it. And so I can help with it with your home, your auto, your umbrella coverage, any of your vehicles or your your sports items, your motorcycles and boats and stuff like that. But I say prepared, Scott, because when we go back and look at it, a lot of people don't even know what. They got what they're doing. I mean, I talked to a fellow the other day. I said, okay, you just missed out on a hurricane. Do you realize you have a 5% deductible and what that means? And, uh, you know, people really don't know. I think that it, it, and educate myself in the insurance realm and spending time with it. I'm just here to try and, again, teach. <laughs> kind of like when I was coaching, just trying to teach a little bit, educate a little bit. And in the same token, if I can help you coverage-wise and financially, I'd sure like to be able to do that. Good stuff, G. Yeah, Gerald Broussard. You can look him up um, over there on the. Right, south let me side. give you. Let me give you a number: four four six zero four four one. And you can call me on that, or you can text it. It's a landline, but it's text enabled. And so uh, you can text me on that, and we can set a chance to you know, sit down, drink a cup of coffee, and look at your papers. Good stuff. And if you want to talk football, you know, G's always game. Yes, sir. Gerald, appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. All right. All right, Tom.